This is Forge Daily with Mackenzie Barwell on the Forge Audio Network. Forge fans, welcome back to the Forge Audio Network. I am your host, Mackenzie Barwell. I am so excited about today's episode because we have a matchup to talk about, okay? I didn't realize how much I wa- I missed watching soccer at Tim Hortons Field until I was sitting there yesterday after three months of sitting in lecture halls. Um, yeah, you should be excited as a listener as well because I sat down with the CPL's Charlie O'Connor-Clark to discuss everything that went down yesterday and some things that Charlie's expecting going into Tuesday's second round matchup between Forge FC and Guadalajara. 11,500 fans in attendance last night. The atmosphere was so cool. Electric, if you will. I didn't know if I could get away with saying the word electric, but honestly, that's the only word that describes it. A friend of mine sent me a video from the stands yesterday, and this is what it looked like. So unreal. So unreal. If you were there, thank you so much for coming out. I hope you had as good of a time as it looked like in this video. (laughs) Before next week's matchup, we will have another episode, but I want to um, dedicate this one to talking about what happened yesterday. And then eventually we'll get into some recent updates surrounding the team, including signings, uh, the pro combine as well. But today, let's just leave it at my conversation with Charlie and I. Enjoy today's episode, and I will check back in next week. I think we're live. Let's continue. I appreciate you coming, though, since you got home so late yesterday. I know. I know. Hamilton, man. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, that's a regular commute for you. I don't know what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. How did it feel to be back at old Tim Hortons Field in the middle of February yesterday? You know what? You know what? It was weird because I felt when we were on the way there that I hadn't been there in so long. Yeah. When I got there, I'm like, yeah, I I, I was here yesterday. It's been like no time since the final. I know. That's what Laura and I were saying too because the last time we were all, I think, together would have been the final. Yeah. Which in hindsight feels like so long ago, but then we're in the press box and I'm like... It's not really. It's not really. (laughs) No. No. Okay, let's... uh, Sorry, let's, you know, talk about the actual substance of the match. What did you you make of it and does... You know, was the result something that you expected? Not even necessarily the score, but just how it played out, especially considering Forge have technically been in their short offseason over the past three months. Yeah, I don't think there were a ton of surprises in how this game played out. I mean, from minute one, you see Forge coming out and, and it doesn't, we've watched Forge long enough to know that it doesn't matter what stage it is in the season. It doesn't matter who's fit or who they're playing against, what, you know, where they're playing. If Bobby Smirniotis puts a team on the pitch. He's not putting that team out there to put 11 guys behind the ball and defend. Like he, he is putting his strongest team that he can out there on the pitch. And he's telling them to play football and to try and play out of the back and to attack, to mm-hmm. try and score a goal. They did score a goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they scored a fantastic goal, which is pretty, you know, a pretty good statement of this club's identity and how it wants to play football. And I think that actually did impress Chivas at times. But, you know, there, there's obviously... You know, the reality of a game like this against a team with the level of talent and the the resources of Chivas, just the mm-hmm. the, the gap in you know, just how much how much more money they spend on their squad and they're able to spend on their squad. Um, you can see what a high level 
a, a strong Liga Mekis team is. And even yeah. though there was a lot of talk before the game about you know Chivas leaving, I think five of their their top players at home, they still had four starters from their league game on Sunday, uh, and they had three other players in their starting eleven that have started a game in the last month or so. Like this was not a B team really by any no. stretch. Uh, and they had actually a lot of players in this game that used this game kind of as a as as a statement to their manager. You know, Fernando Gago just took over uh, kind of at the end of December, and maybe things didn't start quite so well for them. They've been going a little bit better recently, but they have players, Cade Cowell in particular, who we're going to have to get to, who you know wanted to to make a statement. And this game did clearly mean quite a bit to this to this team. So I think to see Forge come out and play the way they did and go toe-to-toe to them, especially in the second or in the first half, uh, to see Forge get scored on and almost immediately come down the other end of the pitch and score a really, really beautiful goal. Yeah. Some really, really nice football is is pretty much about about as much as, as we can ask for in a game yeah. like this. You know, the, the performance was impressive for a team that hasn't played a competitive game in like three months playing against one of the most difficult opponents they've ever faced. Right. Right. And I mean, they did have a few scrimmages over in Carataro, but not to this, of course, extent. No. But like you said, they they were able to execute. Forge had a plan. And Bobby even mentioned this in the postgame press conference. He said that's exactly how we wanted to score. And they were toe to toe, especially in the first 25 minutes of that first half. But based on how that went and considering how possession based it really was, would you have guessed that by the first half we'd have three goals scored? <laughs> not really, not really. No. Um, I I do think that you know maybe the the first twenty minutes or so before Chivas scored is a little bit more. You know these two teams don't know each other very well. They're kind of trying to, to poke, poke at each other. Yeah, feel yeah. it out a little bit, see what's up. Um, and even Chivas just kind of trying to get a little bit used to the pitch, used to the conditions, and and trying to find where maybe they thought there were weak spots. And, and Forge obviously again also trying to get into the game rhythm which is kind of hard to do off the kickoff when you haven't been playing games regularly but then you know a, a goal just changes the game completely Chivas find a way through it's kind of a, a giveaway through the middle they break with such speed as as they've been doing in their own league they they press and they win the ball they get forward quickly and they score a really great goal and mm-hmm. all of a sudden Forger they don't, they don't really have time to to feel it out anymore it kind of wakes them up a little bit and the game yeah. from there is just fully this is a lot more a lot more open because yeah. the Forge know now that they have to open up even more. They have to be a little bit more aggressive and score a goal. Uh, and then, you know, I I do wonder what the second half might have looked like if, you know, Forge don't concede in, in the worst possible time. Maybe I the second gonna... worst possible time to concede <laughs> in a game. Yeah. And it's a really, it, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. You could be playing against Manchester City. It's still going to be frustrating to concede a goal in that way. Uh, at the end of the half, you might say a reasonably preventable moment where that that's not going to be a, a, a highlight that Bobby Smirnotis looks back on and is happy to see. Um, and especially just given the timing and given that they could have gone into halftime one all. But, you know, for the most part, I think Forge generally would have would have been happy with, with most of the way the first half went up until that very last moment. Yeah, yeah. I was literally just going to ask you about that. And not to play the, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda game, because even Bobby in the press conference mentioned that there, you know, isn't much you can do to reflect on that or what yeah. may have happened. But in terms of the detriment to conceding 
at that point in the game, you know, going into the locker room is going to look a whole lot different Yeah, if it was a few minutes prior. You also talk about the speed and the pace of play, and we saw their press right out the gate. First whistle is blown, Forge has possession, but it's just like a herd. And I remember sitting in the press box being like, oh my gosh, all right, here we go. Yeah. You know, you haven't covered the CPL for quite literally as long as it's been in existence and also a fair share of CONCACAF matches. What do you see being the difference between, you know, a match of this caliber? And, and, you know, same goes for the CPL, Mm -hmm. but what were some of the differences you saw in terms of maybe style of play or pace of play, as I mentioned? Yeah, I think the pace is the biggest part. Like, you just kind of notice that the margin for error is a lot smaller. Yeah. They're forged... And CPL clubs have the talent and the tactical ability to get results in games like these, but you really don't have any margin for error, and pretty much everything has to be, you know, as perfect as you can ask for in a football match. You see passes like the the pass that that led to the or the giveaway that led to the first goal. Um, you know, Benny Badibanga can make that pass through midfield in a CPL game in, against some teams sometimes. Sometimes you get away with with that, um, but you can't at this level because they are just reading the game a little bit more fa- more quickly, yeah. and they've got that more that that bit more experience, and they're able to pick that off. And you just see how much more quickly, you know, they arrive to press. You know, if the ball comes to a player, uh, he's got someone on his back immediately, and he he doesn't have time to to think about it, to take a touch, to turn things like that. Uh, and you just see how quickly they can punish mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, if if they. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I think it was the, I think it was still the first goal. Um, the the midfielder gets the ball at the top of the box. He only takes one step to open up a bit of a lane into Cowell, and he flicks the ball uh, through that gap into Cade Cowell, and bang, the ball's in the back of the net. It's just so quick how uh, you know a game can turn on you yeah. against a team like that, where you know you can be very much in it, you can be going toe to toe. You've had your chances. You're playing well. You're possessing the ball, but one moment. You know, one pass doesn't work out or, or one defender gets beat just ever so slightly to open up just that little bit of space that they need and they take it they seize it and they score a goal uh, and then all of a sudden you're chasing the game and that's kind of the difference that you find in a lot of these games where where you're playing a team uh, where the, the caliber is so high and the quality that these teams are playing against week in and week out is so high uh, that's kind of what's so valuable for a team like Forge to to play against and to learn especially the younger players who maybe haven't seen that before. Well, yeah. And we saw so many younger players step up yesterday. I want to hone in on Cade Cowell for one second because I did not know he would come in with as much force as he did. I mean, Cowell's a really interesting kind of figure of the last couple of months in Mexican football. Um, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, Chivas have this kind of longstanding policy of only having Mexican players in the team. And obviously, Cade Cowell, his, it, he has Mexican heritage. His mom is Mexican. Uh, but he grew up in California, and he chose to represent the United States national team. So when he signed for this club, uh, I think about a month and a half ago, yeah, it was, just it was a, pretty controversial. Like a couple of weeks ago, right? Or even yeah. mid-January or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. And, and obviously, there are sections of this you know, obviously massive Chivas fan base uh, that were a little skeptical of this or, or maybe weren't super happy about bringing in a player like that but you see him on the pitch when he's given this opportunity i think he only had one start in the the five games or so they played in, in liga mekis but he gets to start here which is is kind of unsurprising and you just see how talented he is. he's only 20 mm-hmm. years old and you see how quick he is and how 
aggressive he is to drive through. And I mean, honestly, him being on the, on that right side for most of the game, shout out to Maliko Olabi Belawu, by the way, playing left back <laughs> in this game, had his hands absolutely full. And I thought played maybe the best game I've ever seen him play for Forge. He was outstanding mm-hmm. playing left back in this game. He had Cowell you know, pretty well covered for a lot of the game. But obviously, you know, you see Cowell's kind of aggression and his pace being a little bit too much at times and his ability to finish really well. I mean, the guy ends up with two goals that are both really, really nice finishes. Um, and, and he's just a player that was very, very hungry for kind of a, a coming out performance for this club because he wants to 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 show that he can, you know, be a big part of this team. And you kind of saw what it meant to him when he scored those goals it, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it seemed like kind of a weight off his shoulders as well um so again that's kind of further proof that you know you weren't forge were not necessarily playing against the chivas team that weren't interested right no. that didn't want this game because you could see what it meant to them and then cowell obviously you know a player that maybe was a little bit better known to some mls fans when he's there yeah. last year but I, I think will probably be and and can and develop into a really really big part of this chivas team yeah, well, you talk about proving himself, too. I think he's absolutely shown that he will be a part of that core roster. I mean, Malik, this is something else I wanted to get to, but you pretty much covered it there. It's such an insane position to be in, especially having Forge having lost some really core defending players mm-hmm. and now a bunch of these younger guys being put in a position where they have no choice but to step up and coach Bobby did talk about it yesterday in terms of they've been training for this they've quite literally been groomed for moments like these but what did you make of not only his performance but Chris Colongo came out for yeah. an entire match after to to be honest not having a lot of minutes in the regular season in 2023 and so for him to step up as well and make a couple great saves was was really great to see a hundred percent I thought I thought Chris did did really really well. He looked very confident when he had to catch a ball. A ball would come in from outside the box. You know, all three goals I think are really good finishes, and you don't really fault him. But you know, for for Colongo, a guy who's got who had coming into this game three appearances for Forge and only two starts, uh, it is it is really impressive to step into a game like this and to do so confidently. Um, and, and really play very well. And again, you know, in front of playing behind a back line where it is a little bit, you know, a little bit makeshift, you might say, you know, the both, both fullbacks are naturally center backs and Dom Samuel and, and Malik. Um, right. So right. It, it was, you know, a bit of a, you know, not certainly not a, a back four that you would have seen a lot in training last year. Not necessarily a conventional back line for the yeah. 2023 Forge FC. Yeah. I yeah, and and just playing against such talent and and players who can get the ball off for a finish so quickly, you know, it's it's very impressive for Kalonga to come in and just look confident and yeah. composed in this game. You know, he would a ball would come to him, he would pick it up, he would he would catch it well. He wouldn't let balls spill unnecessarily. He would distribute the ball fairly well. He would, he was pretty confident when Forge had to go back and cycle back to him, pass the ball back to him. He could get it out like that. So I mean, that, I think that was a, a very very positive part of this game for Forge as well. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. To come in and not only play an opponent of this caliber, but just based on how naturally the game, like I said, was so possession-based and Forge is a team who likes to play through the back. So he, mm-hmm. and, and of course, because of Chivas's press, he was so involved in the distribution piece. Exactly. And at first I was 
I was, of, of course, I'm in the press box, just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is a lot. But Bobby said, Nico said, who was in the press box, he is one of the best distributing yeah. goalkeepers by far. And 100%. yeah, so for him to show up with that confidence and also have to be involved in the way that he was, was incredible. And to show that kind of composure as well. Yeah, just got to give Chris his flowers on on that part. But also something else that you and I talked about yesterday, rewinding here back to that first half, not very far in Kwesi Poku goes out with an injury, maybe what looks like a hamstring pull or that's just speculation. But it looked like, yeah. Of course, Tristan Borges has to come in. And as we know, that's not necessarily a panic situation when Borges comes off the bench, as we've learned. But how important was it for him to step up in that role? Because we know that Kwesi is a different player and Mm -hmm. they don't play it the same way. But Bobby asked Borges to stay wide and he did do that. And I think we saw the outcome of that after that first goal. But what do you think he brought that maybe we would have seen something different, if that makes sense, if Kwesi would have stayed. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting thing to look at in hindsight. I mean, first of all, the, I think the first thing we have to say is I really feel for Kwesi. That sucks that, you know, he came off at halftime in the final. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, and I didn't mean to overlook that a, yeah. as well. He comes in here and like seven minutes in, he's running for his life down the touchline. You can see him just kind of pull up in one step and just before he kicks the ball away and he's immediately done but you then can see the disappointment in his face yeah. too eh? and then the poor guy just it. had a rough go it, it, it sucks yeah and i really hope that it's not particularly serious i hope he can be involved you know, on, on tuesday when they're in guadalajara but tristan board just comes in and it's very obvious that they're very different players mm-hmm. i think everybody who's watched this team at all can can tell that um but you see the role that Borges approaches that play very differently to how Kwesi would have, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the ball comes out to him out wide. Borges knows that he's not necessarily the quickest player on the pitch, but he's got that left foot that can wrap a ball in behind a back line, whereas Poku might have tried to take on a defender a little bit, make mm-hmm. a little bit more space, and try to find Taryn Campbell on the ground in some way or something like that. Um, Borges knows that he can just take a couple touches and whip it around and obviously credit to Taryn for staying on side with that run as well uh, and trusting Borges to get that ball around behind him. But it is very different. And you do wonder if that, you know, what, how, how things might've been different if Poku had been on the pitch. Obviously if Poku's on the pitch the whole game, he might be able to stretch things a little bit more. Right. He might, they, they might use him as a, a different outlet to relieve pressure because when you, just in the five minutes that he was playing and healthy, uh, you could see how much he wanted to kind of, just almost get lost in space out out on the wing because Forge would want to invite pressure over towards them and have him kind of out there on the wing where there's space, where there's no players, mm-hmm. where maybe Forge are able to find him with a really long switch and then he can play quite direct on a counterattack. Um, so I think that was clearly a huge part of the game plan, but it's a, a credit to Forge that they were able to adjust on the fly uh, and, and find a way to make it work with a very different attacking outlet in Tristan Borges who yeah you know again it's not easy to come into a game in like the 10th minute when you've been warming up you're like I might come in in the 60th 70th minute and you're kind of mentally prepared for that you're not necessarily going into a game at zero degrees celsius in the first game of your year being Mm -hmm. like I'm actually gonna have to come off I'm gonna have to warm up in two minutes come off the bench immediately play and then like I think what 
15, 20 minutes later, he's assisting a goal. So, you know, credit to him as well for, for getting locked in so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to bring that up in particular because those channels were so crucial mm -hmm. out wide, you know, and you talk about Kwesi wanting to literally get lost in that space because I found when Forge did have possession, they did a really good job at shifting the ball and making Chivas run. I just felt like they were very in control in certain moments. And even though the pressure was on, they did mm -hmm. have players that were making the right runs, but coming back when needed and playing yeah. simple, but also making that space. You get, you know what I'm saying. 100%, 100%. And Forge have watched a lot of tape of this Chivas team. They would know that that was what they wanted to do, that they could maybe create space for themselves by inviting that pressure and yeah. just have to just have to execute those balls out of out of danger, those you know long switches of play, which really is how they scored as well with with Ali Hijab report kind of getting out of pressure and right. getting rid of the ball at the right time because uh, his marker was right on his back, I think, when the ball comes off his foot. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it was you know quite a quite a well detailed game plan that they still had to adjust on the fly because of the change. Do you expect to see anything different or? Obviously, we're not going to see anything too drastic, but going into this second round, what are you expecting? I don't think I'd expect a lot of changes necessarily from Forge. Um, I think maybe the, the tactical setup is a little different if, if it does have to be, if it's going to be Borges starting instead of Poku. Um, you know, certainly there, there might be ways to get him on the ball more uh, mm -hmm. and maybe go through him a little bit more than having him be kind of the, the target out wide. Uh, because obviously Tristan's a guy that loves to have the ball at his feet to take on defenders, but also to to play crosses and to to play dangerous, incisive passes. And um, but I, I really I really don't know if there's a lot of a lot of massive changes. I do wonder, you know, what what Bobby's takeaway is going to be from Benny Badibanga's game mm -hmm. uh, last night. Uh, he was playing kind of a, a number ten sort of free roaming role where he kind of drops back a little bit, goes searching for the ball. Um, and he, and he he was playing quite brave. He made a lot of quite ambitious passes. Didn't necessarily work as much as he would have wanted it to. But again, that's kind of the nature of being so early in, in your season and not being fully fully sharp. Uh, I do wonder if maybe there's a change there where he gets a, he he's asked to be a little bit higher up the pitch more consistently mm -hmm. to to mm -hmm. use a little bit more of of some of his attacking skill set. But I, I think otherwise, I don't really think there's a ton. Uh, of major changes that Forge are gonna gonna look to make in this game. Yeah, no, you're right, and that's a great point about Benny because that was a very untraditional role for him, especially you know, Forge fans being used to seeing a Kyle Becker, or Noah Jensen in that central mm -hmm. midfield. So yeah, I guess maybe not so much about changes, but more so adjustments in terms of like, you know, how Bobby is with moving players around like it's chess. So. We'll see. There is there there is a mentality adjustment too, though. Obviously, yeah. you know, you go in playing away from home, two goals down. You don't really have anything to lose in the second leg, and you know mm -hmm. that you have to score. Mm -hmm. uh, at at least, I th I think you have to score at least three goals um, to to win this tie. So, you know, I I can see you don't want to you don't want to you know go too aggressive at the start, and you're out of the tie by the. 15th minute but yeah you know forge are definitely going to show up on tuesday night hoping to score a few goals so that's kind of going to be fun to watch actually yeah no kidding that's a yeah that's also a good point when do uh cavalry play uh so they're the week after 
next. Mm-hmm. I think they they kick off the home leg on February twenty first. So the, the first round of the the Champions Cup is like kind of split into two groups. So there's some of the matchups are going these two weeks, and then the rest of them are going the next two weeks. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel um, like I haven't heard much about that. Yeah, it's it's a little strange. It kind of worked out for us at the CPL because we've got we we don't have overlap right in, in our two matchups. Focus on one year. at a time. Uh huh. Yeah, so that's nice. Not but... the Forge fans, though. Sorry to bring up the enemy. Well, I mean, yeah. maybe not in this case, <laughs> considering we're. I don't know. I don't know if Forge fans are really cheering for Orlando. Maybe, maybe they are. If you just want your rival to lose, but yeah, I well, we'll I don't know. No comment. Um, Charlie, thank you so much again for joining me. I appreciate your insight. It's always, always a good conversation. Eventually, I'll be able to articulate myself as well as you. Okay. I think we did pretty well. <laughs> 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 one day, Charlie, one day. This has been Forge Daily with Mackenzie Barwell. If you like what you heard, please like, follow, subscribe, comment, and share. Did you hear also that Chivas re- like rejected the offer for the heaters on the on the bench? Yeah, I don't know what <laughs> happened there. Maybe there's some kind of miscommunication, but I looked down from the press box. I'm like, Forge's bench has a heater. Yes. And Chivas don't. Apparently they had the option and they said, now nah, we're good. I, I don't know how that <laughs> happens. And I feel like maybe something is miscommunicated there. Honestly. But, like you see after the final whistle, they're all like all the guys come off the bench covered in blankets. I'm like, yes, because like they had, they asked. So they I think they had said no one night and then the next morning or maybe it would have even been yesterday morning. Yeah. They requested blankets. Yeah. Maybe I they know. thought they could handle it and then they. Anyways. Yeah, maybe they they trained Tuesday night there. No, yeah. <laughs>